Hello, and thank you for joining us from wherever you are. This is the SBS Replay podcast from the New York University School of Professional Studies Student Council. Welcome to season three. In this episode, we are joined by SBS alumni Aggie Dent. She graduated in 2021 with a bachelor's degree in sports management with a minor in studio art. Prior to joining the Zone as a global communications coordinator, Aggie worked with major sport organizations such as FC Bayern Munich and Formula E. You can check out her podcast Adventures with Aggie on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where Aggie is amplifying the stories of how the power of sport impacts lives and defines adventures. In her latest season, Aggie is highlighting the careers and ambitions of Paralympic athletes all around the world. The original session was recorded on Zoom and was hosted by Ding Wing. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Tian. Uh, I am the senator for the SBS Undergraduate Student Council. This event is a part of SBS Spirit Week 2021, where the tagline is "Ignite the Spark in You." And so today is Alumni Day. Basically, the theme for today is that we just want to bring alumni, our SBS alumni, who has been through the journey, the SBS academic and student life journey before, and like have them go back with us, share a little bit of like the good times and the memories with SBS, and overall like give us advice, tips, and basically kind of like how did they got to where they want to today. So, before we actually begin, uh, this is actually a pretty special moment for me because. I met Aggie my sophomore year, and it's kind of like, you know, it's it's always a blessing or like it's like you know a lot of like luck when you have such a great mentor with always a lot of support, and yeah, basically like you know uh, she has helped me a lot, and I think like you know to get to interview her, it's kind of like a moment where things come full circle. So uh, very excited to have her on today. So. Aggie, right now, she is a global communication coordinator with the Zone Sports, based in New York City. She graduated from SBS last year and currently is a graduate student at Columbia University, pursuing a master of science in sports management. During her time at NYU, she has an incredible portfolio of internships experience. Um, so, for example, Formula E, FC Bayern Munich, and also the Sydney Sixers. No, that's not where Ben Simmons played. And then finally, she also has a podcast called Adventures with Aggie. If you look around in like both of our screens, you can see the logo <laughs> of the podcast, and where she focuses on sharing the stories of athletes and sports executives about how sports define adventures in life. And then also, like another great thing is that uh, our SBS Replay podcast, which was launched, I think January this year, Aggie was a fa- was. She was at like one of our first meeting to basically, basically she we, without her like you know we can't really have this podcast all come together. So everybody, please help me welcome Aggie Dent. Aggie, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks, Tian. Long time no see. I feel like we were together just last night at a Knicks game. <laughs> Tian and I go to a lot of basketball games together, so fun times. But um, yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> My voice is a little bit gone, but um, <laughs> the Knicks played really, really well last night. Like we didn't get home until like 12 a.m. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's um, it's great to have you here. So I think the first thing that I just want to ask is kind of like so because today is alumni live, we just want to know you more and kind of like get like as much lessons and like the experience that you have had before. So if you can tell like a story of your life so far. Like, how would it go? Uh, I think, I mean, going way back, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, and um, I had no idea what I wanted to do with college. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Didn't know what I want to study. I liked sports a lot, but I also liked music, so I wasn't sure where what route I was going to go down. So I got into NYU, and I was like, I, I think I need to go. Like, I think I have to go. <laughs> So I decided to go to NYU. I was the first person in my family to leave Alabama for a a long, like an extended period of time. And I think they might have thought I was a little crazy at first. So that was kind of a huge first for my family, at least, to have me leave. But once I saw that NYU had this 
awesome sports management program that was relatively new, I think, but sports management just as a field is also very new and very young field of study. So I was like, why would I not want to live in New York City, study at NYU, and just be in the global sports hub of the world? Why would I not? So I decided to come and then I think it was a perfect fit. I loved all four years at NYU, whether I was remote or in person, I loved it all. And yeah, during that time, I was able to have so many different kinds of professional experiences that Tian kind of listed at the beginning, but like so many things happened. I met so many awesome people in the sports industry that led to um, essentially, I guess, where I am today and have created what I've built for myself as far as my show goes and the beginnings of my full-time sports career now. Yeah, it's, I think NYU was the absolute perfect fit for me. And I'm so thankful to all of the people, professors, faculty, staff, and my friends. I think people always say during your undergrad that your friends are going to be your network and the people that you need to keep the closest to kind of as you grow professionally. And that's so true. At my job now with DAZN, there are two people that went to NYU sports management that I'm working with. So it really came full circle there. Definitely. And the, the aspect of networking as early as you can, even in like undergraduate colleges, has been emphasized so many times by not just like, like not just by the sports program, but also like by SBS in general. Yeah, Aggie knows half the city. Um, yeah, like anywhere she goes, like she, she will know somebody who either works there or kind of like plays sports there. That's, that, that is a true fact. So within your time at like SBS, kind of like what was the most memorable lesson or kind of like, you know, what was like, what's like a story that happened in, in the classroom or kind of like did any of our professors said anything that like sticks to you and yeah, basically like an outstanding moment that you kept with you like, until today? Yeah, I, somebody else asked me this question who was like considering coming to NYU to study sports management. And I said the same thing last week when I was talking to him, but it's, I think my favorite thing that was like, I feel like I heard it on day two, day one or day two from uh, Dr. Brandon Brown. He was my intro to sports management professor and my organizations and sports management professor. So I spent about, I don't know, four hours with him one day and Wednesday every week for an entire semester. And it was amazing. But the first lesson that he told us was forget about being a fan and make the most of the industry as a whole. So I never imagined that I would work for FC Bayern Munich, a German soccer team. I knew absolutely nothing about soccer. So he was like, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of it or not, learn the business side of it. Because in the end, sports business is very paralleled, regardless of country or sport or who's on the team. And then they're all trying to do the same thing, which is grow to be the biggest brand that they can be and have the most fans make the most money and win the most on the court. So when he said, forget that, I was so confused. (laughs) I was like, half of us are here because we're sports fans. But when he's saying that kind of on day one, like, oh, forget this part, that was crazy. But now that I know that, I think it's completely changed my perspective on the sports industry because when I go to a Yankees game, I love the Yankees, but I'm not thinking about how many wins they've had or their world records or records that they've broken how many home runs or Aaron judge has or whatever. I'm thinking of how much money it costs to place that ad behind home plate. (laughs) And it's so different. And I think that that was just one thing that stuck with me from the very beginning because I was a sports fan, but coming into it as um, both a sports fan and a sports business fan is very different, but that was definitely the lesson and the entire lecture that stuck with me five years later. I resonate with that a thousand percent because uh, I think it was either Professor Brown or Professor Eagle who said the exact same thing to me. Yeah. It was like, no, you cannot be a sports fan anymore. And I was shocked. I was like, wait, that's the reason why I came in here. But exactly like you said, it took quite a while to kind of like get used to this perspective. So, yeah. And like you said, same thing with me when I go to kind of like if I watch like a, a Formula One race, I just stare at kind of like, all right, so what stickers what brands are on there and then yeah. like what kind of events activities they're doing uh, like uh, is that like a big party is that like a car review or something like that so all the things that is like surrounding like the sports industry so you mentioned about like a variety of like different internships that you have and exactly exactly to your point it's kind of like it's all it's all in different sports 
FC Bayern Munich is a German soccer team. And like, I think like their New York City office is for like more like marketing purposes, if, if I'm correct. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Formula E is motor racing. They only race in New York or like in Brooklyn for like once a year. And then Sydney Sixers is a cricket team based in Australia. So all three different sports, three different continents, three different, like absolutely everything. But from like your sports industry side, what have you seen in them? Like from each of the internships, like what have you learned from them? Yeah, I think a big or a major commonality between the, those three specifically was trying to figure out how to market and increase brand awareness in the United States. So like you already said, the point of the FC Bayern office is to grow their name here and become like the top soccer team in the U.S. that's not based in the U.S. So that was like a really cool experience to grow because they have, I think it's over 120 fan clubs in different cities around the U.S. now. So kind of seeing that grow numbers wise, geographically and just fan wise was really cool. And then kind of the same thing with Formula E was I was on the community relations and like social impact team. So this was the first year that I was with them. I was doing mostly community work. And a big part of that was education because people in this country don't know what Formula E is. They might know what Formula One is, but it's completely different than Formula E. So kind of taking a step back and saying, this is what Formula E is. This is our car. Yes, it looks like a Batmobile. No, it's not a Formula One car. There was just a lot of, I guess, basics to me because I had been a fan for so long. So trying to increase their awareness throughout the U.S. and specifically New York and more specifically Brooklyn was kind of the, um, the area that I was tackling there. And then going to the Sydney Sixers, I had met with the Sixers in 2018 when I studied abroad with NYU, um, had an awesome connection with them because I was doing a research project on women in sports. And I stayed connected and over the pandemic, I was like, hi friends at the Sixers, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> Can I do anything for you guys? Like, do you have any projects or anything? So they had me build out a TikTok strategy for them and a strategy to build more fans in the US. So the three, or I guess three different internships, three different sports, three different continents, everybody was trying to increase brand awareness in the US. So that was kind of, I guess, the project that was underlying that I didn't realize I was doing until like now <laughs> when I'm looking mm -hmm. back on all of them. But um, it was amazing. And I think all of them were super, super different because three different sports, like you said, like cricket is also hard to grow in the US. European soccer is hard to grow in the US and European racing, super hard to kind of educate with. So um, that was, I guess, the themes of my three internships. Would I go back and do them all again? Absolutely. It was so much fun. <laughs> I would love to go to Australia and work with them, but um, or the same with Formula E or Bayern in Germany. But yeah, I think um, it was cool because I was kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like the professional American that was trying to figure out how to help mm -hmm. these teams that weren't based here, how to kind of break into the market. Perfect. And it's sort of like a global strategies of like uh, international, international sports to attack the, the United States market. It's, <clears throat> it is a trend, uh, definitely a trend that's like growing very, very rapidly. Um, yeah. And so uh, I do want to ask, so three different challenges, like you said, three different sports, three different internships, what skills, it, like, is it like soft skills or like, you know, do you use like specific <laughs> tools? Like what skills did you kind of like, uh, like, you know, like acquire from each of them or like what skills did you use to like, you know, like utilize the most of like the job? Yeah, I think one skill was time management none of these three organizations are based in this country. That was very difficult. When I was working with the Sixers, I had meetings at 1 a.m. And that's just because I was the only one that wasn't in their country. So uh, time management was hard. Yeah, time zones are nightmares. I still get some of that with the zone too, because they're based in the UK. So I'm up super, super early every day. But time management is definitely a big one for me. But I think that that's what happens when you work in global sport. You have to figure that out. There's not a way around it because it's not going to change. But I think another piece that I, I don't know if this is a skill or just something that I learned to understand was having an intangible product. Like I couldn't tell anybody to come to a Sixers game this weekend. They're in Sydney. You know, that's not going to work. So learning how to sell something that isn't physically present was 
something that I think I'm relatively good at now because I was doing that with Formula E every week of the year, except for the one week that they were in Brooklyn in July. And the same thing with FC Bayern. They come here every other year, I think, for their tour and they play friendlies. Well, that's not a competition game and it only happens once a year, once again. So um, sales skills and learning how to talk to people and kind of taking a step back and doing the education piece that I was talking about before is definitely something that I learned. And it was kind of weird because I wasn't working in sales. So thinking, and this is another thing that Doc Brown and Professor Hollander told us was like, everything is sales. Because in the end, you want everybody to come to your games. You want everybody to be a fan. So just learning how to sell the Sixers, sell FC Bayern, and sell Formula E year round without having an actual product to show them or like saying, go to this game now was really challenging, but so fun because of how hard it was, you know? But yeah, I think that sales skills are something that I learned and communication skills, which is maybe why I'm working in communications now, but I don't know, maybe that's just a weird coincidence. I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. yeah, time management sales, and then just learning how to talk to people because these are people like I've been saying from all over the world, but the commonality is sports. And I know that's one thing that our program focuses on is sport is global. It's the universal language. You don't have to know the same language as the person you're playing against. Like when FC Bayern plays PSG, maybe those players can't even talk to each other, but it's probably one of the highest viewed games in the world. (laughs) So I think that's just really cool to learn the power of sport brings so many different kinds of people together. Certainly. And you mentioned Bayern Munich. It's always Alfonso Davies up and down (laughs) that up and down that lane. And then like Lewandowski scores. That, yes. Canadian, that Canadian Polish connection. Oh, yeah. We we love to see it. So yes. so you so we have talked about like internships and academics, but there's actually one more one more thing about you that I w- I want to talk about. And okay. um, yeah, this was you could you had a tremendous impact on student life at SBS. Uh-huh. You were president of the uh, Sports Business Society, I think, for two years. And then, uh, yeah, also, uh, as I have mentioned before, you were the, one of the founding members of the SBS Replay podcast and also the Adventures with Aggie podcast was also, was also established during that time as well. So kind of, I want to ask a little bit, um, why did you decide to get involved and kind of like what, like, what was like the best thing for you that happened to you, like, you know, when you get involved? I see Sue smiling. She can't wait for my answer. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> I I think why did I get involved? I wanted to be a part of the student community. And this seemed like a very, um, I guess the gateway kind of made sense to meet people outside of the sports management major because I was super involved in sports. The program was relatively small, I guess, maybe 50 or 60 of us that were studying sports. So I saw kind of the same people all the time. And I was like, I know there are other people at this school. Let me figure out how to meet them. So pretty sure I stumbled upon Tia and Maya at some point. And <laughs> that was kind of how that happened. But I think also just seeing all the awesome events that SPS puts on, it goes well beyond the departments or the, the majors that are putting on these programs as well. Like bringing everybody in from all those programs is really cool. And then I guess why why SBS and the community service stuff that I was doing in the podcast. Well, I love podcasts. So that was kind of why I jumped in there. But I think SBS kind of seemed like a really good opportunity to network, meet people in the same industry as me, and then figure out how to, like I was saying, manage people, communicate with people and put on fun events. So I think it went pretty well. I don't know. I had a lot of fun doing SBS and um, working with my team to put on fun events. But yeah, I think it just made sense, especially during the pandemic when everybody was remote and you're having these like virtual events so regularly that it helped kind of carry that community that we thought was lost because we couldn't go hang out in the fifth floor lounge, but it wasn't. So we made virtual lounges. And I think that I needed that. And a lot of other people did too. I think I I wanted the community. I wanted the people and I'm a people person. So I wanted to be Mm -hmm. around more. (laughs) So as part of uh, getting involved, I do remember because like Sports Business Society, when you were like the president, like, we started having like Zoom calls like this where we invite like a guest. So I think we invite NYCFC players. We invite, I think it was like, I think it was like a lot, like a, a offensive lineman in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then 
we have adventures with Aggie. So uh, before we go a little, like, you know, before we, like, I do have like a little, a little bit more specific questions, but like, but the main thing is like when we, when everything went virtual and like, you know, when lockdown started happening and then, mm-hmm. yeah, like exactly like you said, like we were about to lose a sense of the community. Nobody knows like, you know, how the world's going to look like. So how did you navigate kind of like, you know, academics and then student life? You start a podcast, you get into Columbia University as well. So how did you kind of like navigate that during like such times when like nothing is actually reassuring? The short answer is, I don't know. It was all a blur. (laughs) So much stuff happened in that time. I don't remember how all of it worked out. But I think one thing that I did was like, knowing that all of this terrible stuff is happening out in the world, and kind of being stuck in a bubble. I was I spent the pandemic at home with my family in Alabama for six or seven months of that. And I think I was just trying to act like the academic and professional space didn't change. Like people still want to talk, people still want to network, people want to kind of escape this crazy world that we're living in right now. So I tried to take advantage of that. And I think I did it with SBS doing those virtual events and then kind of transitioned into my podcast and just growing my network in general, like sending those messages that nobody likes to send is like the, hey, like we don't know each other, but will you talk to me about your career for a few minutes? I sent so many of those. And I think that helped like so much because one of those calls was with my current boss at DAZN. So that really came full circle. Some random cold call during the pandemic (laughs) now turned into my full-time job. So yeah, I think just trying to understand what's happening and like accepting that this crazy life is happening around us, but also just trying to make the most out of what's given. And that was virtual coffees, virtual lounges and virtual hangouts and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know why some people didn't do that because I found it to be really reassuring and comforting to have that sense of virtual community when I was living in Alabama, which there, I didn't have that community there present. I had my mom, my dad, my sister, and my dog. And um, that's not the same. I missed the NYU community. I missed the professional community. So yeah, I, I wanted that. And I think I just tried to keep the drive going while I was stuck at home. Definitely. And keep keeping the drive going throughout like the pandemic. And then also you just mentioned how you actively reach out to like, like what the, the, like your network, which like now, like one of them is now your boss as the zone. And then, yeah, reaching out like on LinkedIn, either like, you know, code messaging or like code calling. Yeah. Honestly, you need to come back for like a second session on like networking. Cause like we can spend all day talking about that. Yeah. Because like those are amazing networking skills. I think which we like, we'll talk about that like later in our session. Yeah. But now to your podcast. So <laughs> Adventures with Aggie is an amazing podcast for those who wants to get into like the world of sports business. Yeah, but I think like in the in the bio right now it says that AWA is focused on Paralympic, adaptive, and parasports. And I think uh, there is a stat that you actually interviewed at least like five Tokyo Paralympic Games medalists. I think at least one of them was a gold medalist. So I just want to ask, um, yeah, because like, how did how did AWA start, and also how did you like navigate AWA now to focus on Paralympic adapt adaptive and parasport? Yeah. So I I interviewed twenty athletes that competed in the Tokyo Olympics or Paralympics. Two were Olympians, and eighteen were Paralympians. And I honestly don't know how many medals they got. I think it's over 15, but I'm not sure um, because some of them competed in different events kind of as the the week of the Paralympics went on, but it's amazing. And I love them. And I turned into a cheerleader for the week of the Tokyo Paralympics and Olympics. Going back to, I guess, how it started, it started, I was leading these virtual events with, well, thank you for plugging my show, Tian. Um, (laughs) I was leading these virtual Q&As with SBS And then once the summer hit, I was like, I don't know what to do now. Like it's COVID. I'm stuck at home in Alabama. I really liked interviewing athletes. So I thought, let's keep it up. And I made some like really weird looking logo in Canva, just kind of threw together my 
my name and like a microphone and a tennis ball. And I was like, yeah, this looks good. And so I put it out there. I recorded a session with somebody who was my boss, kind of my boss at FC Bayern when I was interning there. And like a couple hundred people listened. And I was so confused as to why these people wanted to listen to me talk to somebody about his life. And I didn't understand that I was building a podcast. So as time went on, I used it to interview people working in the sports industry to find out what I wanted to do. I didn't know what area of sports I wanted to go into. So I was interviewing athletes and coaches and people selling tickets and GMs and partnerships managers and just all kinds of people, even strength coaches. Not that I ever thought I was going to be a strength coach, but that was a fun (laughs) interview. (laughs) But yeah, so I was using it to figure out what I wanted to do. And then after about 50 episodes, I wanted to kind of organize the show and make series out of it and just plan better rather than interviewing anybody who wanted to talk to me. So I started doing series and um, I would feature like maybe four athletes and a coach or three athletes and a coach from the England amputee football parentheses soccer association. And yeah, 137 episodes is crazy, Mm -hmm. but um, I was doing series and it was going really well. I did my, actually my best performing episode was with the NYU baseball team which is really fun. I did a series on student athletes during season two and they were hilarious. They were really, really fun to interview. Definitely had the most listens there. So then after season two, I organized myself and then that was another 50 episodes. So like hundred episodes about, and I was like, well, season three should probably happen now. What do I do? And I looked at my portfolio of episodes that I hadn't put out yet. And I had probably 20 episodes recorded with Paralympians Tokyo was coming and I was like, all right, like, let's just do it. So we went all in adaptive sport, parasport and impaired sport. And it's been amazing. I think we're, I think Anna just said, we're like 37 episodes into season three. So we've had almost 40 episodes of adaptive athletes on the show. They're amazing athletes and their stories are so powerful. But I think my favorite part about the show is how we're not just talking about their gold medals and their records and how well they played last year it's or in the games it's about like what the sport means to them and why they do it which i think is kind of a piece of sports media that's covered people would rather hear about the gold medal <laughs> they would rather hear about their world records but i want to know kind of why they do it and what's their drive so um yeah we're in the middle of a really cool series right now that's sponsored by the wheelchair company that provides for team usa called performax and they brought to us i think six gold medalists. Some of them are two-time gold medalists. So we have a really strong series of wheelchair basketball coming on the show. We're in the middle of that right now. Yeah, we have their CEO, CFO, and then six gold medalists coming up on the show. And I I love it. I'm learning as I go too, because I don't know a lot about adaptive sport or amputee sport or visually impaired sport, but it's been a really cool learning experience. The, the caliber of the guests that you just <laughs> mentioned. CEO, CFOs, and then basically like gold, like medalists. Yeah, but I, I admire the fact that you want to know like the motivation on like why they do it rather than like how did they got like the gold medals or like world records and things like that. So, so far within your NYU SPS adventure with Aggie, yeah, so we have, you have got so many incredible achievements in like in your academics, in student life, you like you know basically you are basically a sports business society veteran like i think you single-handedly brought a lot of us to like internships and i think jobs i know i'm one of them yeah i'm one of them as well so yeah in that's your impact in student life and then uh, with your podcast like you know awa and like now with a specific uh focus on paralympic and like adaptive sports how did you balance all of these things and I, I also want to ask kind of like what's like the biggest motivation for you to like do all of this and at the same time excel in everything that you do way too nice to be tian <laughs> it's, it's shiny on the outside but on the inside it's like a million different color-coded calendars and to-do lists and stuff but the short answer would be google calendar is my best friend and outlook um everything i do goes into my calendar like yesterday when we went to the basketball game i said 
meet TN for basketball game at 7 p.m. just so I don't forget. Um, the other day when I had lunch with Sebastian, it was or dinner. I don't know what we did. Dinner with Sebastian at 6 p.m. <laughs> just so I don't forget everything. Yeah, I mean, I I love everything that I do. I think if I don't like it, I wouldn't do it, <laughs> which sounds like really really simple. But I've had some opportunities, whether they're volunteer opportunities or internships or something that I didn't love. I was going to make the most out of it while I was at those places or at those organizations, but I kind of knew that I wanted to move on to something else. So I think an example without like naming anything specific, but like if I don't like an opportunity or an internship or whatever position I'm in, I'm going to learn what I don't want to do. or I'm going to learn what, uh, what not to do with a company or an organization. And I have had that before. Yeah, I think that just trying to learn how much you can get out of a certain opportunity or an event or an activity or your hobbies or whatever it is and learning how to integrate those is like key. I heard a really awesome speech the other day by a president of basketball team and she was saying that the key is to integrate your practice with your passion. So obviously the passion is sports. I think that's pretty obvious based on what I've said so far, but then kind of bringing in what I like to do and what I do through my job, which is storytelling through sport, because I do communications at the zone and it's all about the story and the narrative. Same thing with my show, which is quite, quite literally storytelling and just learning how to kind of distribute that and make as many people as possible know about what we're doing is really amazing. So I, I love it. I think, and since I love it, that's why I do it. And that's why it's gone pretty well so far. The same thing with NYU. I loved my time at NYU. So I think that's why I, did pretty well there <laughs> and why I was so involved in all the different things that I was. Yeah. I think merging practice with passion is kind of what I, what I try to do. And there it is. Finally, after, after three years of like, Aggie, what do I do with this? There, <laughs> finally, now we, now we know your, now we know basically like your foundation to everything, merge your passion with um, like mm -hmm. uh, everything that you practice. So yeah. Yeah, I want. I do want to. Oh, I do want to take a moment to remind our audience that uh, definitely, if you have any questions for Aggie from on internships, getting internships, networking, which we're gonna talk a little bit about it right now, or sports, or like SBS academic or professional tips, please drop them in the chat, and then I will ask her like as soon as I receive them. So let's shift the conversation to networking, My because <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't have like a build up to this question because <laughs> kind of like with like 137 episodes and counting up the podcast, that is basically 137 people. And then like within those 137 people, I think there's going to be like 200 or 300 more people that you can network. And like you also start with cold calling, you know, sending like uh, a note on a LinkedIn request. So I just like, you know, just want to ask kind of like, how did you do it? And then like, how do you respond to kind of like when somebody turned down or kind of like, you know, like, oh yeah, like I'm not interested or somebody would never get back to you on that LinkedIn request. How do you handle that? And what keeps you to kind of like, all right, you know, on to the next one. Yeah. How do you react to that? Yeah, I think, I mean, being completely honest, there was a point in the show where I was like down and I wasn't getting any responses for guests to come on episodes. And I didn't know why. I think it was people were starting to get burnout with virtual conversations. And I think we all kind of felt that at some point. We were like, oh my gosh, like another Zoom. And I was probably sending 30 to 40 messages a week, whether it was emails, LinkedIn's, Instagram DMs for the young athletes, Twitter DMs, just trying to get anybody on the show. And I would say three or four of those would respond. That's like a really low response rate, <laughs> like really low, especially for the time that I was putting into these messages and the research, trying to find the right people to come on the show. But it's, it's hard. And I think in some cases, a double message is not a bad thing. Sometimes it is, but um, yeah, I think just trying to, when people don't respond, it's because they're not the right person. Um, if people are willing to speak and willing to give advice, they will pay attention to those DMs and they will want to talk to you and they will respond. I think it's the same for my guests. If I, I DM somebody that I had actually known prior to DMing them to be on the show and he didn't respond. And I was like, I, 
I was so confused. And he was like, speaking is not my thing. I don't want to speak. And I was like, all right, good to know. I didn't know that. And I think the same goes for um, LinkedIn messages or like networking messages and stuff. It's, I mean, I've done other workshops on like quite literally what to put in that message because a lot of times it's too vague or it's too specific. Or if you like straight up ask for a job, they might not answer. So it's just about being very particular and specific in a not scary way to somebody that could potentially hire you. I do a lot of research on the people that I reach out to or try to network with prior to talking to them or prior to even messaging them to make sure that they're the right person that I want to talk to. So just knowing kind of what you're stepping into before you get on the call is a huge piece of that. So it's not just some generic that you can tell somebody copy and pasted the networking or the, the message to network with like hundreds of people that day. <laughs> there needs to be some kind of, I guess, tailored specific piece of that message to each person. And I think I, I had a really good call with this guy the other day. He reached out to me. He had one of those messages and he was like, hey, I love your show. And I'm a sports management student from the UK. I just moved to the US, finishing up my master's. Like, can you just give me advice on like sport in the US and how I can get involved? And I was like, yes, because he looked at my show. He looked at what I had done and he had seen that I had worked on sport in the UK and now I was trying to learn about the US. So that made a lot of sense. But I appreciate that he did the research and put a little bit of effort into that message before just copy and pasting it of like a, Hey, can we have a virtual coffee? I want to learn about your life. Um, Cause that kind of message doesn't always work, but yeah, I think just showing that you kind of have customized the message and you've looked into their life is a really, really important piece of networking in general. That is, that is absolutely wonderful advice. And um, definitely your perseverance, <laughs> uh, definitely research about the person who you yeah. want to connect and then know what you want to ask out of them and then detail the message that yeah. you like, you know, why do I want to reach out to you? I think these are like great networking tips that I think like all of us can learn about. So yeah. I actually have a great question from Sebastian. So this is more on kind of like, it's, it's kind of like after like prospecting now we go to like the account management side of things. So Sebastian <laughs> wants to know kind of like, what do you do to maintain your connections? So for example, with the zone, and I think it's like with your boss, how do you maintain that network and continue to connect with them? And in your case, it led to your current job. I know people that have like spreadsheets and names and links and like drafts of messages and stuff. And I don't do that, but it works for some people. I know they have like lists of like, I've met the manager of partnerships at the Islanders and I met this person that works at MLB. And like, that's crazy, but I'm so glad that that works for them. But for me, I think I, I don't force it because a lot of people say like, oh, like this is the list of people that I need to reach out to in three months, or this is who I need to talk to in six months, or I need to tell them that I did this last week. And I don't do that. I think I just, I keep it more casual. And obviously if it makes sense to go meet in person, or if it makes sense to ask for a coffee based on something I've done in my career or they're working on now, then it's perfect. Like last night I was at the Knicks game. And Tien knows they did this thing called the kicks cam where they were like zooming in on all the players shoes before the game to show off like their fun shoes. I don't know. I don't have any cool shoes, so I wouldn't understand where I wouldn't think to do that. But I knew that the Sydney Sixers, the team that I worked for two years ago, was looking for new things to put on their like fan cams. So I sent my former boss attacks and said, Hey, kicks cam. I don't know if y'all have that in cricket, but you should try it out. And he was like, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Thanks so much. So it's kind of just like remembering what's relevant to your network and how you can offer them things that maybe they weren't expecting. That was a good example. I think kind of going back to being prepared when you're talking to people and not just kind of doing the aimless check-in of like, Hey, how are you doing? Like haven't talked to you in like three months. There needs to be some kind of specificity around it. Like I interviewed the founder of the World Football Freestyle Association. First of all, I didn't know that existed and I didn't know freestyle football was that big, but he also started a soccer team in the UK for children with special needs. And so that was the part that I wanted to kind of hone in on because that's super interesting to me, but also it's not his most, like the biggest thing that he's done in his career. That would be obviously be the WFFA. So kind of researching once again, but also, um, I don't know, just trying to figure out what these people want to talk to or talk about is the most important part because lots of time it's not what they do every single day. It's kind of what they're 
you have to figure out what their practice is and what their passion is, how they're different, how they integrate them, or if they don't. Perfect. I don't know if that answered the question. I think I tried to answer the question, but I'm not sure if I did, Sebastian. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, Sebastian, if, if this answered your question, reply with like a, a pizza emoji. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, um, I think those are, those are, again, like, you know, great advices because like if we come to like our networks, like even if we haven't talked with them in a while, but if we contribute to them something, even if it's, it's kind of like, exactly like you said, last night, the Knicks has a special cam where basically they just zoom in on like the player's shoes. And, you know, it shows personality, like, you know, all the uh, sneaker enthusiasts that, like, you know, they can look at that and like, hey, I think I think I have that one. And so it drives fans engagement and like, it's, it's great for like, you know, within the sports industry, like it's always great to like share best practices. Like, hey, let's try this, let's try that. Yeah. So that's a great way to continue to observe what's happening in the sports industry and also uh, maintaining like such an incredible network of professionals. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to ask, so essentially to like round up like your entire time at NYU SBS, what do you miss the most about it? <laughs> Um, I miss events like this. We have some at Columbia. I just haven't really dove into those head first. I really miss being able to plan events for people. I think that that was a really awesome part of my time at SPS and uh, with SBS specifically. Um, but yeah, I think also just the the student body at NYU is different than Columbia, I think. And I, I don't really know how to describe that yet. I've only been at Columbia for two months, so I'm not sure. But I do miss the people at NYU and just the, the environment, the campus or lack of campus sometimes. Because now that I'm at Columbia, I have a campus or a traditional one that is. But I think I do kind of miss having the hustle muscle of the city kind of just at your fingertips and stuff because Morningside Heights is different. But yeah, I think the people, I miss my friends. A lot of you guys are still there and I'm sure you're killing it with your last year or two, <laughs> but um, come uptown and visit sometime. <laughs> but yeah, I think so many things. I loved SBS so much. And I know that you all like helped me kind of push that and create it into something bigger than it was when we started. But yeah, it's, there's so many things that I miss. I still wear my NYU stuff around Columbia and get some weird looks sometimes, but that's okay. I'm sure Leo on this call can relate, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling knowing that like home is like downtown and here we are kind of, I guess, trying to navigate a new home. I miss mm -hmm. NYU a lot. Mm -hmm. I still, I still bleed violet. I don't know if we actually say that, but I always said that. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we, we do, we do say that. And I think I gave you an SPS mass, right? Oh, wait, sorry. Yes. Sorry, yes, Sue. I, over there. So, sorry, Sue. I took two extras. <laughs> 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 yeah like but like you know we, we gotta like yeah we, we gotta claim Angie back <laughs> so I think just a couple more questions and also like this is gonna be last call for questions before I, I do have like a quite I do have like a, like a closing question so how do you find the transition from undergraduate at SBS and then like how do you find like that transition to like grad school and now like getting a job right now because I do believe that on this call like we have a lot of grad students and so and I can't really foreshadow anything but I do see myself like you know going to like grad school so like you know like what's your experience any best practices for like you know for that transition yeah I think my situation was really strange because everything was virtual when I was applying like I never really did a tour of Columbia I just kind of knew it lived up here and it sounded cool. So I sent in my application and I was like, okay, like this would be fun. And then I was admitted super early because they're rolling decisions. So I was admitted in October of my senior year, which is like so early. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting on a call with Yusu. I was about to host the community. No, was it the, some service day event with Mary Haskins from the Roadrunners? And like, I got a call and it said Columbia. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. And I'm like, I had to like lead the, or host the interview with Mary in like two minutes. And I turned off my camera and I was like, thank you so much. And like hung up. But um, that was a crazy day. I think everybody panicked when I turned off my camera for a little bit, right as the event was beginning. Spirit week. Yes. But yeah, balance wise, I wasn't trying to 
have a full-time job and do grad school at the same time. I had already accepted the offer to go to Columbia. And then I got this job offer um, a few months later. And it kind of, I, I wasn't going to say no to a full-time job in sports. So um, I said yes. And then I opted into part-time school, full-time job. So the balance is hard. I go to school Monday nights and Thursday nights from six to eight. And I work from probably 7.30 or 8 a.m. to 5.30 or 6. So it's a lot of hours, but I think balance-wise, Sunday is my school day. I do all my homework on Sundays. <laughs> and um, we're remote. So, Or sorry, my job is remote. School is in person. So that's very helpful for me. At least I'm not making a commute from the office and back to campus. But the, the courses are similar to the ones that I took at NYU. But the people in my classes are very different because they come from so many different kinds of backgrounds. Like there are plenty of people who have been practicing law for however many years, and now they're trying to transition into sports law or entertainment law. So they're older and they have wives and husbands and families. And that's super crazy coming from an undergrad where I'm definitely not at that stage in my life. Yeah. It's, I've learned so much just from my new classmates because of their experiences from all around the world with I guess they're at different stages in their career, which is super cool in the classroom to kind of hear about their real world experiences. And it's not an internship. You know, it's like, oh, I worked for five years at Google and this is what I did. And that's super crazy just to hear kind of thrown about so casually. I'm not used to that yet. I've learned so much already just in my two months at Columbia, but the balance is tough, but I love it because I, I do like school. That's something that I know I like and I will continue to like. So I want to keep the balance because going back to what I said before, I love both or all the things that I do. So I want to try to do as well as I can in all of those things. Definitely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's such a great conversation to, yeah, it's like, it, it, it's like, I'm having a moment where it's, it's, it's very inspiring because I, you know, like when you talk to somebody with the same passion and like, you know, you feel the passion just to like, like, yeah just like talking like this yeah it's yeah it, it, it's it feels really really special yeah so I think to our audience there is the attendance link uh, make sure you click it so that like we can count that you have a 10-hour session but yeah while you do that I think I do have one last question so right now Aggie Dent is a it's an NYU graduate uh, it, it's, it's an NYU graduate currently studying at Columbia for master's in sports you got a big podcast, Adventures with Aggie. Right now you work at The Zone. You are a, like, you're like a strategist and storyteller, like an artist as well. Um, so basically, like, basically, like you can do everything. So this sounds like a job interview question, but kind of like, like in 10 years, if somebody said Aggie Dan, what? what do you want them to, like what, what should be the first words that come to their mind? Or maybe like in 10 years, where do you see yourself? Sounds like a job interview. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like I should have known this question because I've hosted events like this where I've asked the guests that question, <laughs> but I wasn't prepared for it. I don't know. I, I hope to have told a lot more stories in the sports industry. I would like to think Adventures with Aggie is still living and maybe is a little bit bigger than it is now. But yeah, I think I don't, this isn't like a job and it's not a title, but my favorite thing that I do is tell stories. And I said that earlier, but whether it's through zone or it's through Adventures with Aggie or Columbia, I think just sharing the stories of people and all the like really cool things that people do, I want that to be something that I'm known to do because there are so many hidden stories out there that people don't tell or people don't, they can't tell because maybe they don't have the platform or the opportunity to do so. So that's something that like DAZN does with women's sports, like that's huge. And trying to figure out the narrative there has been a main focus. And then also like with my show, it's giving athletes the opportunity to tell the story that they've never been asked to tell. Like most of the time, my Paralympians or adaptive athletes have never done interviews before. So knowing that I'm giving them maybe the first opportunity to actually like say all the awesome things they've done in their life is crazy. So I think just trying to provide a platform in some way, whether it's through whatever organization I work for, or I've built through my own show, just trying to find a way to elevate these stories that are super impactful is definitely what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but 
that was kind of, I guess, my way around your question, Tian, because I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, storytelling and sport, I think that's what I want to, what I want to do. And we will see her at the ESPYs in 10 years. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the ESPYs is the, um, the, Os- the, the Oscar equivalent award show for, for the sports industry. But yes, that's going to happen. So I think uh, with that, I think that, that is essentially my entire question list. I'm still feeling like, feeling like the feeling's kicking. <laughs> yeah, because I, I also had like, um, also had like a, like a, quite a moment last night you know, like when, um, yeah, it's the, yeah, it, like, I, I can't really describe it, but uh, yeah, lots of great things has happened like in like the past two days, but yeah. So from, on behalf of the student council and also like, especially like, I think especially me, thank you so much for joining us for alumni live. It's inspirational. It's like, you know, it's very meaningful. It's straightforward. And it's always great to hear kind of like, you know, where you want to do next. And like, I think we'll be, like, we'll be here and wait for like more stories from you. I think like, you know, your story is going to conquer the world. That is for sure. <laughs> but these are great stories, great experiences, like, you know, great lessons. I've learned so much today. Thank you so much for uh, being a great mentor, a great friend. We're lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you. Yeah. Thanks, Tian. Thanks, everybody. This was fun. It was fun to be on the other side of one of these events. <laughs> it's also funny because I ask the questions in my podcast. I never get asked the questions. You know, it's like the tables have turned. <laughs> it's like that Uno reverse card. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so for our friends uh, in the uh, in the chat, I have included Aggie's LinkedIn. Definitely like connect with her for like for uh, connect with her. Like you know she great opportunities and, you know, great network. And um, yeah, I think that is going to be it for our session. Thank you to Aggie Dent. The SBS Replay podcast is produced by the students of the NYU SBS Student Council with Ali Weaver, Ariana Olivas, Anna Zhao, Chien Zhang, Christine Long, Evelyn Tai, Jakarla Mitchell, Jessica Blodgett, Kyle Romkin, Megan Vanesto, Martin Ma, Maya Kwok, Sanjana Benmutso, Sarah Maruyama, Tatan Gangwal, Ding Wing, Varsha Raghavan. Special thanks to the NYU SBS Office of Student Life. Follow us on Instagram at SBSUSC and at SBSGSC and on LinkedIn at NYU SBS Student Council for more updates and content. Thank you so much for listening and see you on the next episode.